0: Well, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as we continue our series Messy Grace. And we're down to the last three chapters. And these last three chapters sound one long alarm about false teachers and bad spiritual leadership. And our passage this morning gives us what is really the most important key to discerning between good and bad spiritual leadership and spiritual direction. So let's begin by reading verses 1 through 15, and then let's pray. Paul writes this, verse 1. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, They work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end is, will correspond to their deeds. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, this is a difficult message and an important one. And there's so many ways to veer off, to state something wrong, or just to miss the point. And I pray for your help now. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will help this time be one that is fruitful and helpful to us and help us to discern in ways that are biblical and right. So we commit this time to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. On May 24th, 1869, John Wesley Powell led a team of nine men off to explore unexplored parts of the Grand Canyon. Three exhausting, discouraging, and treacherous months later, they came to what was the worst rapids they had yet encountered. And they had encountered some really bad rapids. And they came to this rapid. It was violent. The men were discouraged. They were weary. There was no way to walk around the rapids. And at that point, a decision had to be made. Most of the men, led by Powell, decided to attempt the violent rapids. A few of the men, assessing the danger of the situation, and weary of the overconfident, some would even say arrogant leadership, of John Wesley Powell, decided to call it quits and climb up and out of the canyon. To this day, that point is known as Separation Canyon. One of these two groups got safely out of the canyon. The other group died in the attempt. Now just for the fun of it, I want you to put yourself in that canyon and with that choice. What would you choose to do we have to choose one follow one group or follow the other which group would you choose would you ride the rapids would you climb out of the canyon and remember this your life depends on your decision and getting it right so i want to have a little fun here if you would have gone with Powell and rode the rapids, raise your hand. All right. If you would have climbed out of the, called it quits and climbed out of the canyon, raise your hand. All right. I'm, I'm going to say about half and half, okay? Which means for half of you, there's really good news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you chose to ride the violent rapids, they would have been the last rapids you encountered. But not because you died. But because the water after the rap- that rapid, it smoothed right out. And those men went on safely to leave the canyon just a day later. Good news for those who chose. If you chose to climb out of the canyon, you were never seen again. The choice at Separation Canyon really was a life or death choice. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and through chapter 13, Paul brings the Corinthian church and with them us to a spiritual Separation Canyon. We know, we've been hearing about this the entire letter, there are men who have come into the church who, who call themselves super apostles which implies they have a closer connection to God, a stronger anointing. They're bigger and better and faster than other apostles. And by ordinary appearances, they do look superior. Uh, I mean, these guys are charismatic. They are eloquent. They speak with, and Corinth loved this, they loved the Greek wisdom. They spoke in wise, lofty terms. They're self-confident. And they present a deeper, more nuanced, more complicated message. It felt more spiritual, more mystical. It just seemed like the better choice. And Paul finds himself in this embarrassing situation. He's got to promote himself. He's got to promote himself. He has to persuade the very church he founded that he's the better choice. That he's the true apostle. He's the good leader. He is more spiritual than them. He has superior qualifications than them. Some leaders love to flash their credentials and promote themselves. For Paul, it feels like foolishness to the point of insanity. Chapter 11, verse 1, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. That foolishness is going to be to brag on himself. And the reason he is driven to this foolishness is because this truly is a separation canyon. The Corinthians had to choose. There is no way to follow Paul and follow these super apostles because they are going in opposite directions they are going in totally different directions and their eternal destinies depend on making the right choice and that's what I want us to talk about this morning I want us to talk about the separation those separation Canyon moments in our lives where a spiritual leader a spiritual teaching or whatever is leading us in a direction that may sound good, but leads to death. Spiritual death. How can we tell? How can we tell when we need to separate from someone or something because it's going in the wrong direction? And once again, I want to make this personal. I want to... Make this personal for you and for me because at some point in our lives, every single one of us will face a separation canyon where we will have to choose. How do you? How do you? How can you tell which leader, which teaching you can trust and which you can't? If we say, I just go by how I feel when I hear them. Or if we say there just seems to be such an anointing on them. Or look at the size of the crowds that are coming out to hear them. If those are the qualifications, we might be in trouble. We might be in danger of making the wrong choice. How do we discern good spiritual leadership from bad spiritual leadership? The first thing I want to say is that I'm not talking about preferences or ministry styles or anything like that. We can all prefer one church over another, one ministry style over another, one speaker style over another, one worship style over another, Right? That's not what we're talking about. We don't want to turn those things into separation canyons. And some Christians do. They do. They turn every little difference into a separation canyon. You use which version of the Bible? I'm leaving. You believe the rapture happens when? Come on, Mildred, we're getting out of here. Christians separate over worship styles. They even call them worship wars. You know, if there's anything we shouldn't be warring about, it's worship. Hymns, contemporary, whatever, loud, soft, drums, no drums, organ, different styles. Christians separate over different beliefs about the spiritual gifts. Tongues, no tongues. Charismatic, non-charismatic, cessationists, continuationists. Christians separate over whether you're Arminian or Reformed in your theology and countless other issues. Now listen, I believe it's very good and it is important for us to know what we believe. And some of these issues can absolutely be legitimate factors in our decision of choice of what church we attend or whose podcast we listen to it's that's that is fine but Christians should not separate and divide over differences such as those we shouldn't allow them to become a place where we We separate from Christian love and fellowship with someone because they believe something different than I do about spiritual gifts or about the last days or about how to worship or Reformed or Arminian doctrine. They should not become, we shouldn't allow them to become separation canyons. There was a point where the Corinthians did that. We see in 1 Corinthians, they got, all, they, got all, they got divided into groups. I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of Apollos, who, by the way, you might say, you know, I know Peter and Paul better than I know Apollos, but Apollos was the charismatic speaker back then. He was the most dynamic speaker of all of them. He was so dynamic. His only problem in the beginning of Acts when they found him was he was an amazing speaker. He just didn't know what to say. So Priscilla and Aquila spent some time with him so that not only could he speak amazing things, but he could actually say something worth saying. So Apollos. And then you've got the super spiritual people. The people say, hey, I'm, I'm of Jesus. I, I'm not a Peter Paul or Apollos. I, I follow Jesus. And Paul says to all of them, he says, What are you guys doing separating over that? We're all of Jesus. Did I get crucified for you? I don't think so. We're all of Jesus. So let's not separate over styles and beliefs that are not central to the Gospel. There is only, I want to say this clearly, there is only one church. There's a billion expressions of the church were one and so was that church down the road but there is only one church the church of jesus christ the spiritual true universal church of jesus christ those who love the lord trust in christ believe the gospel and preach the word of god and we can have different doctrinal positions than the church down the road But there should be no division, there should be no separation canyon between those who love Jesus and love the gospel. We can be different, and we can debate those differences, but it should be with Christian love and fellowship, not with anger and all those things. Okay, so what I'm saying is separation canyon should be rare in our lives. But the Bible tells us there are spiritual wolves out there. There are spiritual wolves, leaders, teachings that will lead a soul to hell. And some of those leaders and some of those teachers can look incredibly good, they can be incredibly well packaged. And to make it more complicated, good spiritual leaders can sometimes come in very poor packaging. In other words, like Powell, they can be flawed leaders leading in the right direction. So you've got some leaders who lead incredibly well in the wrong direction, and you do have some leaders who lead incredibly poorly in the right direction. So how can we discern the difference? between good and bad spiritual leadership. Well, verse 3 gives us a clear path. It gives us a true north, something John Powell's men didn't have. It gives us the morning star which can safely guide our lives. The one safe and right direction is the one, Paul says in verse 3, that leads us to a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It's simple. Literally, it's simple. The word translated in my version of the Bible, sincere, means unfolded. Unfolded. The KJV, King James Version, translated as the simplicity that is in Christ. The unfolded simplicity that is in Christ. The bottom line is does it bring us to a sincere, authentic, pure devotion and love for Christ and His gospel? Paul is not perfect, he was an awesome. Apostle. He was one of the most powerful leaders ever. But he wasn't perfect. But his agenda is pure. He says, He says this I feel a divine jealousy to present you as a pure bride to Jesus. Paul's agenda isn't Paul, Paul's agenda is Christ. His jealousy isn't that they love and follow him, his jealousy is that they love and follow Christ. And that is good spiritual leadership. No matter how eloquently or ineloquently it's presented. We can trust that. In contrast, the false apostles and their message sounds like the devil's message, Paul says. He compares them to the cunning of the serpent. In the garden, the serpent came with a carefully crafted lie that took Adam, or first Eve, and then Adam took them in. And this is what he said. He said to them, God said that you would die if you ate that fruit. Come on, Eve. It's more complicated than that. It's not that simple. There's more going on God gave a simple command and a simple warning. The devil then added complicated messages and layers to it. Cunning, Paul says. He says, you know, see, God is, this is, I'm paraphrasing, but this is the, the direction. God is kind of jealous, Eve. He knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. and He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to be like Him. He doesn't want you to reach your potential of all you can be. Come on. He said you die? You're not going to die. You eat that fruit and your eyes are going to be open and you're going to live life like a God. Beware of overcomplicated spiritual messages. I remember so clearly, I was a very young Christian and I went to a Bible study and there was this older woman. Now, again, I was like 18 years old, so 19 years old, so older. She might have been 22, I don't know, but she seemed older to me, but she came up and she asked me in kind of like the appropriately spiritual tone of voice, if I had ever read between the lines in the Bible. I said, uh, what do you mean? She says, I have found whole new meaning by reading what God puts between the lines and underneath the lines in the Bible. I'm like, I'm still just trying to read the words of the Bible. But she oozed with this sense of, I'm on a higher spiritual plane. I, I am closer to God and getting revelations from God that the average person is not. And it made the complicated, mystical seem spiritual and the simple seem really naive. There is something in us that's attracted to deep-sounding spirituality. I... I not the kind of simplicity that Paul says is unfolded, but the spirituality that is folded and refolded and folded again. And you've got all these layers and nuances of spirituality and revelations and mystical and mysterious and complicated. And in all these folded complications, we can feel superior spiritually. I think that's what it attracts in us is pride. Wouldn't you like to be the closest person to God in the room? Wouldn't you be like to be the one who is hearing straight from God and you can tell people what God is saying and you have this spiritual plane that no one else... There's something in us, it's called pride, that's attracted to that kind of spirituality where we have all this stuff going on, but the one thing we miss, is the simplicity of Christ. And that's the danger the Corinthians were in. Look at verse 4. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. The Corinthians didn't see they were being led away from a simple and pure devotion to Christ to another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. These super apostles were preaching Jesus. It was just a different Jesus. They were preaching the gospel. It was just a different gospel. They were of a spirit, but it was a different spirit than what they had received from the apostle Paul. And that's why it's Separation Canyon. It's Separation Canyon. Because what these super apostles are seeking to separate the church from isn't Paul, it's Christ. And that's why Paul is so strong in his condemnation of these false teachers. Verse 13, For such men... They call themselves super apostles. Here's, here's where Paul like pulls the covers back. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan, here he compares them with Satan again, disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, the devil's servants, also disguise themselves as as servants of righteousness, they look good. Their end, he says, will correspond to their deeds. In other words, like the men who climbed out of the canyon, they will never be seen again. Their end is going to result in death, even though they package themselves well. Paul, on the other hand, isn't packaged all that impressively to those looking at outward appearances. He admits in verse 6 that he's unskilled in speaking. He then goes on to say he has a lot of knowledge, but he works to make those things plain, not complicated. Look at me again at verse 6. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. He labors to make it plain. Paul's agenda was their spiritual good, not his ministry's growth in fact he didn't even want to burden them financially there's something pretty amazing in verse 9 that we now might pick up because we've walked through this book this letter look with me at verse 9 and let's recognize what he's saying here in verse 9 he says and when I was with you and and was in need I did not burden anyone For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. When Paul ran out of money, what he's saying is, I didn't put a burden on you. But here's what's amazing. The Corinthian church is in Ikea. We've already seen that's the wealthier area. They were a wealthy church. He says, no, I didn't put a burden on you, but the brothers from Macedonia, which is what? That is where severe poverty is. Severe poverty and great affliction. And yet Paul is taking support from the Macedonia believers rather than the wealthier Corinthian church. Not because it would have been wrong for him to receive support from Corinth, but because he wanted to prove He was there just for their sake. He wasn't out for their money. He was out for their hearts to know Jesus. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? What's the motive? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. He loved them. And He wanted what's best for them. As we close this morning, I want us to apply this important warning to ourselves at at points, and I think probably rare points. Again, I, I hope I've stressed that, that we don't turn everything into separation canyons. But there are points when we will stand at a separation canyon, and we will need to decide. Maybe someone is looking for a church. Maybe someone looking online is looking for a church. Maybe you're listening to a teaching ministry, or you are reading a book uh, that's saying things you've never heard before. Maybe there's a movement that's urging you to align yourself with it, or maybe a friend is trying to convince you to follow them in a certain direction. How can we tell if it's good or if it's bad? How do we discern? And here is my counsel, based on Paul's counsel, Keep it simple, saints. Keep it simple, saints. Does it lead you to a simple, unfolded devotion to Christ? Does it lead your heart to love Jesus? And remember, the super apostles were preaching Jesus, just not the same Jesus. So we're not talking about some mysterious Jesus that no one has ever seen in the Bible before. I want to caution, beware of revelation teachings that are teaching revelations, revealing things no one has seen before. Beware of that. Beware of that. If no one has ever seen it before, it probably isn't really there to be seen in the scriptures, okay? But some people build ministry because they constantly say they have a new revelation from God, a new thing from God, a new whatever, and that attracts. I mean, hey, when you go out and you look at a product, and one says the old, the old product, and the other says new, you grab the new. Beware of new. It can be fresh. It can be presented in an interesting way. But don't look for revelations that no one else... If you're walking around you say, my group of 20 people, we have revelations that nobody else in the church has, you're probably climbing out of the Grand Canyon, okay? And you will probably never be seen again. Okay, so let's not do that. We don't want new, we want Jesus, amen? And we don't want just... Some form of Jesus no one's ever seen or heard before some we want the same Jesus Paul preached because Paul had it right because God Jesus Christ picked him out chose him anointed him knocked him on his back said Paul I'm gonna show you what you are gonna suffer for my name's sake and you are gonna proclaim me that's the Jesus We want the same Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Savior, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, the miracle worker, the healer. We want the only way to the Father. We want the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. That's the Jesus we want. The same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, the same gospel that Paul gives us in the Word of God. That's who we want. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the Jesus of the Holy Scriptures. And the way we get to know Him, who He really is, is through this book. The more we seek this book for revelation about who Jesus is, the more we get to know Him for who He really is. So let's keep it simple, Saint. Is that leader? Is that teaching? Is that impulse in your own heart leading you to an unfolded, simple, biblical, pure devotion to Jesus? If they are, praise God. Praise God. However, it's packaged. But if they aren't, it's Separation Canyon. It's the place to choose because you can't find it. Let's, let's go to God and pray. And this for some might be something that you're not dealing with at all right now. And I have a burden on my heart for this message. This message is not just for those who are in that place right now. Because I believe Paul gives us a compass that whether it's a month from now or a year from now or 10 years from now will help us Stay out of spiritual danger and stay in the right way. I am as burdened that those who are not facing this direction get this in their hearts deeply. Unfolded pure devotion to Christ. But I'm also aware that there may be some who you are in this place. You are in a place where you're, you're seeking something, a, a new church, a new teaching, a new Ministry you're listening to, a new movement you're, you're thinking of becoming, a, a new friend is guiding you, or an old friend is guiding you in a direction. I want this to, God wants this. I am convinced that this become your guiding light. Not what I say, not what someone else says. If I, or an, you know, even an angel, Paul says, preach a different gospel, let them be accursed. Does it lead us to a pure, simple, unfolded devotion to Christ? Let's pray. Jesus, you are our Savior. We have no other hope in heaven but thee. We have no other prayer when we stand before God the Father, when we stand before the judgment seat, there is no other name. There is no good work. There is nothing else that we will plead but Jesus. And lo- we love you, Jesus, because you loved us first. Your blood, the only cleansing agent in the entire universe that can take our sins away. Your death on the cross, the only power that can raise us to new life. Your name, the only name that can save us. So Father, you love your son so much and you love to glorify him. Holy Spirit, your whole joy is to glorify Jesus. Help us, each one, within the sound of my voice. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And help us to walk out our faith in an unfolded and simple devotion to him. And we Cannot close this prayer without thanking you that you're holding on to us, Lord. Lord, there is a tension here. We have your warnings in your word and we take them seriously. But it does not lead us to fear because we also know that as we trust in you, you are holding on to us, Lord. So Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word to guide us, but you're also holding on to us by your spirit. So help us to trust you, even as we follow you. And we will give Jesus all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. For those online, God bless you guys. Have a great week.